And we will be in the New Testament. We'll be in James chapter 1. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to James chapter 1. We'll be in verses 2 through 12. And I'll get to there in just a minute because I've got some questions I want to ask you about that passage of Scripture. That passage is really important. The title of the message this week, Testing Your Faith Produces Endurance. You know, this is another one of those struggle messages. You say, well, Brother Kerry, you're preaching about struggle again. Well, let me ask you all something. Has struggle gone away? We deal with struggle every day. Anybody have any struggles today? Huh? So that's why the Bible has a lot to say about struggle. It has a lot to say about it. And this one, this passage, um, I want to share with you because it has some pretty important parts of it. It has some things I want you to think about. It's got some, some words that are specific in the, in the uh, passage of Scripture that stand out. And so I'm going to preach this passage of Scripture because it's important to, to know, okay? And I want you to study it. And I'm going I'm to lead you through some things when we get into the Scripture. I want to, I'm going to point out some words that I want you to pay attention to. And I'm going to try to open it up together. We're going to study that, that passage together. So when you go home this evening or after lunch, you go home, you're going to say, you know, that, that, that speaks to me. And because that's what God's Word is supposed to do. It's supposed to speak to you. And that's what we're going to study tonight about how we hear from God. Because the whole reason of opening up God's Word is so you can hear what He wants to tell you. Not what I want to tell you, not what I'm supposed to tell you, but what God wants to tell you. How He wants you to take that information and apply it to your life. Application is what God's Word is all about. So let's look at some things together, and I'm going to lead you into that Scripture this morning. Our world puts significant amount of value on action of speed. When you think about it, our world looks at speed as important. In competitive sports, you see a great deal of emphasis placed on who is the fastest, who can get there first, who is the first one to finish, or, or who can find, go from one point to another before anyone else can get there. We think about it, and then we think about sports because we're all sports-minded to some degree. We look at comp- competition. When we were younger, we were competitive a lot, but things as we get older, it's more about watching sports, isn't it? Let me tell you what. My body doesn't function like it used to. I just got to tell you that right now, all right? So when I was 20, I used to love to work with my hands, do construction work, build things, Right? And I could do it. And then in the last several weeks, Patty and I have been trying to get a place fixed up over here so we can move back to Grady County. I've had somebody coming and helping me. He's wearing me out. All right? I can't function anymore. It's an 800 ibuprofen evening every single time that he leaves me. But it's, it's, it's different, okay? So, so things are different. And that was just a nugget of information I gave you that was free, okay? That wasn't part of the message. But anyhow, so when we look at the bottom line, of any form of racing is to finish first. When you think about racing, it's to finish first. Whether it's NASCAR, horse racing, or foot racing, what it comes down to is who's going to get to the finish line first? Who's going to win the race? In major NASCAR racing, I don't know how many of you people watch NASCAR racing. Can you imagine sitting in front of a TV for two-plus hours watching cars go round and round and round? Y'all do that? Sunday afternoon, my dad used to love that. I'm thinking, what in the world is going on with him? But he would watch that. They would go 500 miles on an oval track to finish the race, where their main objective is to win the race. Now, you knew the, the lead lap car got money for lap, lap points or, or money for being first, 
But the main objective for that whole thing was to cross the finish line first, to finish first in a marathon, long-distance running race, which is getting a little closer to home. How many people have done that? Marathon, 26 miles. Anybody ever run 26 miles? Away from a grizzly bear, maybe. But <laughs> All right, 26 miles, half marathon, 13 miles. Listen to this. The Ironman Triathlon consists of a 2.4-mile swim, a 112-mile bicycle ride, and a 26.2-mile run to finish the race. How about, how about that? Y'all signed up for that? I'm not signing up for the 2.4 swim. The triathlon is considered one of the most difficult one-day sporting events in all of the United States. The Ironman, the objective of the Ironman triathlon for the majority of the athletes is not to win the race. It's simply to finish the race. The majority of the people who enter that water for the first time are not looking to win that race. They're simply looking to survive it. They're simply looking to finish it, to get to the end and be, and be successful at what they weren't set out to do. It's a major accomplishment in their lives. Not finishing first, but just completing the race. Finishing the assignment. It requires commitment and it requires endurance. Man, it's a bit pretty difficult challenge. These are the two words that we're going to be focusing on this morning. These are two words we're going to spend a little bit of time on, the word commitment and the word endurance. Endurance is the, the main word, but it takes commitment to succeed at endurance. When we look at the life that God has given us to live here on this side of heaven, we need to look at it as a marathon, not a sprint. It's a long distance run. It, it goes on and on and on. And for some people, it goes on a long time, but it's not a sprint. It's not the matter of who gets there first, but it's the matter that we all get to the end. Amen. It's not important who gets first, but, but it's who gets there. We all get there together. Now, let me show, tell you something. Life requires endurance. It requires perseverance. We're going to deal with some issues that require us to endure. We're going to have some trials and some tribulations that we have to endure, that we have to get through. Sometimes that are going to be difficult. Sometimes when we don't understand what's being placed before us. But just like the triathlon, which is many different obstacles that they overcome, just think about it. 2.5-mile swim, 112-mile bicycle ride, running 26 miles after all that. Can you imagine the amount of cramping can you imagine the amount of exhaustion that's going to take place in this the life that the christian lives is just like this life has many different obstacles that we have to overcome as well and it's hard life is hard amen it is hard to get through it sometimes when we were young it seemed like time was just dragging along wasn't it christmas was never going to get here but then we get older you know time starts speeding up let me tell you something it seems like it was just sunday and i was standing in the pulpit I said that Wednesday when Pat, I said, we going back to church tonight. It was Wednesday. We're heading back to church. I said, well, didn't, weren't we just there? You know, thing, it, it comes back quicker when you get older. The bottom line is that it's not important to get to the end first. What's important is that we endure and overcome the trials and the testings and the issues that are placed before us. Now, let's get some things straight. Trials and tribulations will come, and they do come from God. Tempting will come, but it does not come from God. It comes from Satan. There's a distinct difference between those issues. The Bible tells us that we should rejoice during our trials. This is what we're going to try to open up this morning. Man, the Bible's going to tell us that we've, we're supposed to rejoice 
when we have tribulations. We're supposed to rejoice when we have trials. We're supposed to rejoice when things are difficult. There's a reason for that. Now, how in the world is a Christian going to rejoice when they have trials and tribulations? You think about that? Can you answer that question for me? How are we going to rejoice in these times? Let's look at this. James gives us the answer in chapter 1 by showing the certainties that the Christians have in times of tribulation. Now, before I ask you to stand, before I read this passage, I want you to pay attention. If you've got your Bibles open, I want you to look at some specific words. I'm going to give you some specific words in verses 2, 3, 4, and 5. The first one in verse 2 is the word consider. I want you to look at that word hard. I want you to think about that word as we move through it. Consider. In verse 3, the word is no. Verse 4, the word is let. And in verse 5, the word is ask. These four words are powerful words in this passage of Scripture. And when we go through them, you're going to see what I'm talking about. Well, the word consider can also be used as count. Okay, In some versions, it would be count. But consider, count, it's all the same thing. So as we read this passage of Scripture, I want you to look at how these words factor into each of these verses that go with this passage. If you are able, will you stand with me in honor of the reading of God's Word? James 1, starting in verse 2, it says this. Consider it great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its full effect, so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. Now, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith without doubting. This is important. Verse 6, let him ask in faith without doubting, for the doubter is like the surging sea, driven and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord, being double-minded and unstable in all ways. Let the Let the brother of humble circumstances boast in his exaltation, but let the rich boast in his humiliation because he will pass away like a flower in the field. For the sun rises and together with the scorching wind dries up the grass. Its flower falls off and its beautiful appearance perishes. In the same way, the rich person will wither away while pursuing his activities. Verse 12, blessed is the one who endures trials Because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Pray with me, please. Most gracious Heavenly Father, God, I just ask that you bless the reading of your word. Father, I ask that you cleanse me of every sin, cleanse me of every impurity. Father, I ask that you hide your servant behind the cross and allow me to deliver your message to your people. These things I ask in your son's precious and holy name. Amen. And you may be seated. There's no way we're going to go through life without having to endure trials and tribulations. There's just no way to do it. Man, there's no way that a Christian can do it. There's, there's even, it's, it's harder for the non-Christian to do it, but there's, it's difficult to even get through life with the trials and tribulations of being a Christian, but I can hardly imagine how somebody gets through it without being a Christian. One of the best tests of Christian maturity is tribulation. 
There's a purpose for that. There's a purpose that we go through these trials and a purpose that we go through these tribulations. And that's what you, it's hard to understand it because sometimes we're thinking, why does this have to happen to me? Why am I dealing with this? Why is it that surgery won't help me? Why have I got to do radiation? Why have I got to go through all these different issues? Why can I not get out of the house? There's all kinds of things. And we sit back and we're like, why is it happening to me? But let's just look at what all things are good, come to those I'm going to read that for you. That's actually three pages down, so let's wait on that, okay? All right? But anyhow, the trials that we have to endure are intended to help us grow and strengthen our relationship with God. They help us, they're for us to grow closer to Him. We want to know Him better. Every time we, we step into the pulpit, every time we come into His house, we want to hear from God. We want to know Him better. We want our relationship to grow closer to Him. That's what our, we're intended to do. Now, let me tell you something. Here's a, here's a one for you. Trials develop our faith and our Christian character. But there's a phrase that says, when life gives you lemons, what do you do with it? You make lemonade. And that that statement is a lot easier to read than it is to practice. Because sometimes it's hard to make lemonade when all we've been getting is lemons. But that's what the statement says. In fact, that is biblical. That's basic philosophy. Man, you got to play the hand that you're dealt, so to speak. But let's look at some things. Throughout the Bible, there are people who turned defeat into victory. They turned trial into triumph. That's what I want to share with you this morning, some things that people stood the test. People in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, they stood the test. They stood the test that God had placed before them. They did the trials and tribulations that God provided in in their place. Look at this. God tested Abraham for 25 years. When God called Abraham to live by faith, he tested him in order to increase his faith. He tested him for 25 years before, and he worked with him for 25 years before he gave him the promised son. Amen? God spent 25 years. Listen to this. God spent 80 years preparing Moses for 40 years of service. Let me tell you, some people are slow learners, wouldn't you think? 80 years to get somebody ready to do 40 years of service. Well, that means that we still got some time, right? God's working with us, but he spent 80 years investing in Moses, molding Moses, getting him ready for 40 years of service. God worked for 13 years in Joseph's life, putting him in various trials before he put him on the throne of Egypt. Peter spent three years in the school of testing to be changed from sand to rock. All these things are important in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Paul went through many testings. Each one helped him mature in character. Jesus spent three years teaching the disciples, three years investing in disciples in order to build their character, in order to make them what he wanted them to be, in order for them to stand and be the early church, in order for them to spread the gospel the way that he wanted them to be. It was three years of investing. God always tests us to bring out the best in us. Man, he tests us to bring out the best. What does Satan do? Satan tempts us to bring out what? The worst in us. Which do you want, the best of your life or the worst of your life? That's where you're going to lean at who's going to be in control of your life. God will test us to bring out the best in us. He'll test us and give us trials and tribulations so we draw close to him, so we learn to lean on him, so that we don't say, I can do this by myself. I don't need anybody else because actually we do. There's nothing we can do on our own, but God can do everything. Amen? That's what he's trying to get a point across to us this morning. The testing of our faith proves that we are truly born again, but God cannot work in us without our consent. We have to surrender our will to his will. We've got to make his will our priority. We've got to make sure that we're moving in the way that he wants us to move. 
The mature Christian does not argue with God's will. Instead, he or she accepts that will. We accept what he's given us. It ain't always been easy. My life hasn't always been easy. It's had, it's had struggle after struggle after struggle. And I know you use the same way. Man, it hasn't always been easy, but God allows testing in our lives so that we draw strength from him in order to endure the struggles of our lives. Let's be honest, church. I want to be honest with you. Let's be honest. We're going to have to face trials in our lives. We're going to be tested. We're going to face difficult times that seem so large that we don't see how in the world are we ever going to get through this. Man, how are we going to ever get through what was being placed before us? Sickness can be difficult. Seems like cancer is on the move and more prominent now than it's ever been. Man, we, every time we turn around, somebody's being affected by cancer, isn't it? I mean, if, you, if it's not you, it's someone close to you or someone that you know directly or indirectly. It seems like it's more promised. Sickness is hard. It's difficult. The loss of a family member is hard. Man, that's a void that only God can fill. When you lose a family member, I'll tell you something. I know we've lost family members here. I've lost four family members within one week. That's a, people start saying, I don't want to be related to you. You know, I'm not making a joke out of that, but I, somebody did tell me that. I said, boy, that's tough. You know, family are going away. You know, I lost an aunt, an uncle, and two cousins within a week of each other last week. Did two of their funerals. Those are, those are difficult times. Those are struggle. You know, trying to, to, seek, to, to seek God to fill those voids in those families. Those are difficult times. The struggle is real, and there's only one way to endure it. And that's through the power of the Almighty God, through the strength of the Holy Spirit that he gives us. When you're a believer, man, the, the Holy Spirit comes inside of you. He brings power into you. He helps you walk through the walk. He helps you deal with those struggles. He didn't say that, that you're not going to have a struggle. Man, just think about it. You think about it. If you become a believer, become a Christian, because you say, I want life to get easier, you're in for a shock. Amen? Man, this struggle, this struggle is real, all right? When we're faced with trial, there's two options that we have. There's two paths that we can take, all right? I'm going to give them to you. One, we can endure and overcome it. Or two, we can bail out and escape. We can look for an exit door. Let's just think about it. Verse 3, because you know, and that's the word I told you to pay attention to. Verse 3, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance, all right, because you know that it's going to come. God's word says testing your faith produces endurance. And it's going to get better because God's going to be there for us. It produces endurance. Let me tell you what endurance means, to not bail out, to go the distance to make it to the end, to make it to the finish line like he has charged it to do, like he wants us to do. Enduring means to do more than simply tolerate in trial. It means to actively trust God in the middle of the trial. When it gets rough, that's when we got to lean on him. Not that that's the only time we lean on him, but let me tell you something. When time gets rough, you need to lean on him heavy. You need to lean on him because he wants you to draw. He wants to draw you close to him, and he wants you to lean on him. He wants you to be more dependent on him. Let's look at this. The experiences that come to the children of God are not by accident. You're thinking, well, God didn't see that coming. You know, I bet he didn't see that coming. Man, he, he didn't know this was going to happen to me. Well, let me tell you something. Nothing goes before you that doesn't go before God. Amen? Romans 8, 20 says, 28 says this, And we know that God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love God to those who are called according to his purpose. Man, we've got to put our faith in him. And, and, and he will make these things 
a little bit easier for us to handle. Trials work for the believer and not against him. There's a difference about that. They work for the believer. God is in control. He's still in control. He's still sitting on the throne. He knows what's going on in your life. He wants you to lean on him. He wants you to come to him. He'll help guide us through each and every step of the way. We've got a loving Heavenly Father who controls the affairs of this world. God controls all the affairs of this world who has a purpose behind each event that takes place. Christians should expect trials to come. And we look in, the, in, the, in uh, James's writings. He does not say if they come. He says when they come. It says whenever. When you look at the scriptures, whenever you deal with trials and tribulations. He doesn't say if you deliver them because you're going to have them. Whenever they come, that's when we need to lean on, on the Heavenly Father. Any believer who expects the Christian life to be easy is in for a shock. You don't become a believer so that life will get easier. You don't invite Jesus into your heart so that you can make your struggles go away. You, do, you follow Christ because you want to have a relationship with him and you want to be drawn to him. Jesus warned his disciples in John 16, He says this, and you've heard this multiple times. In the world you will have tribulation. This is Jesus talking. And he doesn't say in the world you might have tribulation. He says in the world you're going to have tribulation, but take courage because of what? I have overcome what? The world. And he's walked the walk and he's talked the talk. He's won through every single thing that we're going to deal with. You know, the 40 days of temptation, Jesus dealt with every single temptation that we would have on this planet. But yet he did not sin. And yet every single temptation that he had to deal with, he used scripture to combat the temptations that he was being placed before him by Satan. Every single one of them. We know of the three, but there was 40 days and nights of temptation. And we know what took place there. No matter what the trials may be on the outside or the temptation on the inside, through faith in Christ, we can experience victory. And the result of victory is always spiritual maturity. It's always growing the believer stronger. It's always growing us closer to the Heavenly Father. That's where you want to be. When it's trials and tribulations, you want to be right next to the Father. You want to be right next to God. You want to have his, his right next to you talking to you. Let me give you some important points here. The Bible says there are four essentials for victory in the trials. A joyful attitude. In all things rejoice. That's what the scripture says. The first thing is a joyful attitude. It's hard sometimes to have a joyful attitude, but that's what the Bible tells us we should have. An understanding mind. Let endurance have its full effect on you. We've got to have a mind that's focused on God. We've got to be pointed toward him. We surrender our will. We should ask God. We need to have a heart that, that wants to believe. Ask in, in faith without doubting. That's something that's important. And you, when you ask God for something, when you ask him to walk with you through these valley of the shadow of death, when you, when you ask him, you can't be doubting. That's what the, the scripture says. Don't be double-minded. We can't be doubting because it's like the surging sea. Many people are going to go through major trials in their lives. Man, I'm going to tell you something. I've counseled three times this week, and, and several of those people were having some major trials in their life. One was not, but two of them were. Two of those sessions were major difficulties and major trials in their life, struggles that they were dealing with. But the thing is, is you've got to make sure that God is the priority. Many people are going to deal with major trials in their life, and it's hard, and you wonder if you're ever going to get any peace. But my question to you this morning is, are you near to God or are you far from God? That is a very critical issue, is where are you at in relationship to God, near or far to God? Let me reassure you, the closer you get to God, the easier these trials are to overcome. Don't try to do it yourself. 
Let God be in control and let him control your life. So hang in there with me. So what is God's purpose for trials? It's for perfection. Now, he wants to perfect you. He wants you to be more Christ-like. He wants to, to be more like the, the Christian that he wants you to be. He's molding you to his children to be more mature and to be more like Christ. Let me tell you something. You're in the laboratory of life right here. Man, life stressors and life temptations and life tribulations are things that are going on every single day. Satan's at us from one angle. He's looking for an opening every time you turn around. God places things in front of us to mature us, to grow us, but Satan is trying to destroy us. There's a completely difference between that. Trials can produce patience, which in turn produces endurance, and endurance in turn gives the believer a mature relationship with Jesus Christ. Romans 5, 3 says this, 5, 3 through 9, listen up. And not only this, but we also rejoice in our tribulations. This is Romans, knowing that tribulations brings about perseverance, and perseverance brings proven character, and proven character hope, and hope does not disappoint because the love of God has poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has given us. It takes faith on the part of the Christian to trust God during temptation, not temptation, during testing and tribulation. It takes a faith. It takes more than anything. James talks about faith in this. But yielding to God was the divine purpose of the mind before us, and we need to yield to him. In our passive scripture this morning, James deals with a matter of faith expressed through prayer. We don't always understand what God is doing in our lives. We don't always understand why we have to deal with this thing. And Satan likes to come in there, and he likes to put thoughts in our minds that, does God really care about you? I mean, does God really care about what happens to you? You know, he did the same thing with Eve, and he does that same thing with us. He tries to tell us, you know, God doesn't really care about you. You wouldn't be going through this if God cared about you. If he loved you, you wouldn't be dealing with this. That's Satan talking. This is where prayer comes in, and we need to ask our Father for wisdom. That's what the Bible says, and he will give it to us. But the Bible says we must not be double-minded. We must not be double-minded. Double-minded, what that means is hesitation. It means doubting what God's word said. It means having a, a second guessing of what's going on. You know, did God really, did God really mean what he said? Double-minded Christians are unstable according to what James says. Their emotions are, and decisions waver. One minute they trust God, the next minute they doubt God. Faith in God during trials will lead to stability. 1 Peter 5.10 says this, After you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace who called you for his eternal glory in Christ will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. And testing of your faith produces endurance. That's what's important this morning. It's one thing to tell the teacher that you know the answers. It's another thing to put them on the paper, right? You can say, I, I don't need to take the test. I know the, all the answers. That's a different story. But anyhow, it's one thing to put it down. If you claim to be a believer and you claim to follow God, how do you respond when he puts those tests in front of you? Man, if you want to be a believer, but how do you respond when God starts pushing those buttons, so to speak, making sure that, that you're drawn closer to him? How do we respond in the times of, of struggle? God is working to produce endurance in you, so let's endurance have its full effect. That's what the scriptures tell us. It's very likely that you're going to have troubles of your own that are specific for you, man. They may be finances, it may be marital, it may be uh, business issues, but the, what the Bible tells us is pray and ask God for wisdom, which is the ability to apply spiritual truths to the circumstances that we're dealing with. 
He promises to give wisdom and respond to the trials with maximum spiritual benefit. So let me ask you this. How does God communicate his wisdom? Primarily through his word. Primarily through prayer, seeking his guidance, talking with him through prayer, and studying his word. So after you've prayed, go to the scriptures and see what God has to say about your problem. Then ask him for to help you. Ask him to, to show you. Ask him to put spiritually minded people in your past so that they can help you as well. One of the strongest statements that Jesus ever made was to his followers was, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'll go with you always. I'll go with you to the ends of the earth. I'll go with you every step of the way. You think about it. Sometimes when we're struggling, we're saying, God, are you walking with me? And then let me tell you something. Sometimes when you're struggling, God is walking with you and he's toting you. Sometimes he's carrying you because you can't make it on your own. Sometimes it's so difficult that you just can't go on on your own. But God is right there with you. This statement holds true today. You can't walk through life alone because it's too difficult. And we're going to have to make some, some issues. And we're going to have to endure some trials. We're going to have to endure some obstacles along the way. But God is there. And God has no limitations. And he has no hesitation. And he'll support you. He'll tote you. Man, whatever the issue is, you've got to place it before him. And you've got to lean on him because I want you to draw close to him. He wants you right next to him. Let me tell you, that's the difference. Where are you at with God today? Are you far away from him? Or are you near to him? The same God desires to have a relationship with his people. He's offered us heaven as a free gift. Man, heaven is not something we earn. It's not something we deserve. But he's offered to us as a free gift. John 3.16 says this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Ephesians 2.8 says this. By grace you've been saved. Through faith, not of yourself, it is a gift of God. Man is a sinner and cannot save himself. And we were born with a sinful nature thanks to what happened in the Garden of Eden. Thanks to what happened with, with Satan and Eve and Adam, we have inherited that sinful nature. All men have sinned. Romans 3.23 says this. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Sin creates a separation between us and God. And he can't get to us and we can't get to him unless something moves that barrier out of the way. God was not willing to let us go, and he provided Jesus Christ as a sacrifice on the cross to remove that sin barrier so that we could have access to him and there would be no more distance between us so that we could have a relationship with him as well. Romans ten thirteen says this, Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whoever doesn't leave anybody out, I tell you that every week. And that's the thing, that's what the scriptures say. You, you haven't done enough wrong or done enough good to make any difference in Jesus Christ being your Lord and Savior. It doesn't matter what you've done on this earth. It says whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. When our time is over, we're going to spend eternity in one of two places. We're going to spend eternity. Eternity has no end. We're going to spend eternity in heaven or eternity in hell. And the decisions we make on this planet determine where we spend eternity. And I can tell you, eternity is too long to be wrong. Perhaps today you want to make sure without a shadow of a doubt that you're going to spend eternity with Jesus in heaven. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. And all you've got to do is invite him into your heart. Romans 10.9 says this, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. In a moment, we're going to have a hymn of invitation. I'll be at the front. 
Uh, I'd love to share with you more about Jesus. If you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I urge you to clear that up today. I mean, you don't want to go home until you know him. You don't want to go to bed tonight and close your eyes unless you know him. If you know him, praise the Lord. But if you don't know him, this is a time that you want to come to know him. There other decisions might need to be made. Our altar is always open for you. If you've got something you want to lay at the altar at the feet of Jesus, bring it on down. Our deacons are here. I'd love to pray with you. Our deacons will pray with you. Whatever decision needs to be made, whatever time, this time is set aside for you. It's a vertical conversation. It's just you and the Father doing, the, doing your business through the power of the Holy Spirit. Whatever the decision is to be made, you take this time for yourself. Father God, I come before you this evening. God, I just pray with a humble heart, thanking you for, for the promises that are in your word. God, I pray if there's one person in the sound of my voice that does not know you as personal Lord and Savior, I pray, Father, that this day would be the day that they would come to know you. Father, for others in our congregation, God, as those that are having struggles, those that are having difficulty, those that are dealing with trials and tribulations, God, I just pray that you would draw them so close to you, God, that they could feel your presence and they could feel your comfort. God, we just pray for our time together today. God, I just ask that you would move among us. Let the Holy Spirit just fill this room. God, just, just touch each life that's here. And God, let us feel your presence today. These things I ask in your son's precious and holy name. Amen.